Are y'all ready to get in the Word of God right now? All right, I'm excited about this. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. You know, this has got to be the best job in the world, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. Not only do I get to preach the Word to you, I get to make the best friends I've ever met in my life. Do you understand that we will be together forever? That's a long time for y'all to put up with me, right? And aren't you glad you're here today, me preaching to you? Because when you get to heaven, if you're skipping out, you're going to have to come to my classes there. Everybody else is going to be off enjoying heaven, and they're going to be going, no, you can't. You miss church too much. you got to go to Pastor Morgan's class. He's got to catch you up. So anyway, you know, Lisa and I love you guys, we, you know, but I watch you, and I watch what goes on in your life, and I'm constantly asking God, what can I say that would help them with their life? And one of the things that I want more than anything is for you to get your prayers answered. I want you to know how to go in the throne room and walk out with an impossible situation answered. That's a powerful thing. And I can't tell you, I've had that happen to me many times. I've also had times where I've prayed and nothing happened. And I've learned that it's not God's fault. Now, Satan, and he just preached my sermon, he is going out of his way to hinder you. He is going to do everything he can to get you off your destiny off, off the word of God, not walking with God. He's, he's working overtime with you. And the way that he does that is through people. Everybody in this room right now has had people do them wrong. If not, there would be no such place as Nashville. If everybody started being kind, you would shoot country music in the head. It would die. It would just... Somebody done somebody wrong song. And so, so anyway, we want to keep Nashville alive. But anyway, I think a lot of people really want to keep it alive. So I begin to really pray, and I want to revisit something. In this church, since I got born again, November 16, 1975, I have preached a lot of who you are in Christ. In other words, it was so powerful to me to find out that I was not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I'm saved by grace. But in 2 Corinthians 5.21, him who knew no sin became sin, that I might be made the very righteousness of God in Christ. And so I get my identity from Jesus Christ, and you should too. Now, what happens to us is we hear that so much it's easy to forget where you came from. And you know, in the Bible, they put up markers, they put up stones. All of those stones, when you're reading, it says that Jacob put a pile of rocks. Those were to remember something that God did for them. And we, we celebrate Christmas to remember what he did. Easter is to remember. We take communion to remember. And all of those things are to stir our remembrance. So today, I'm going to preach something to, so that we can remember what Jesus did for us, and then we can stay on the straight and narrow. Is that fine? Plus, get our prayers answered. So go to Hebrews. I'm not there yet. I don't know what happened to me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Now, listen as I read, and don't get scared as it starts off. It says, if we sin willfully... After we have received the knowledge of the truth. Now, remember, this is a person who's not saved. 
They're just getting the knowledge of it. There remains no more, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. A a certain fearful expectation of judgment, fiery indignation of which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has received Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? It's a powerful piece of Scripture. Now, I got this because... You know, I, very often I'm asked to do things outside of this church where I get to preach to people who don't go to this church. Uh, funerals or the mayor's prayer breakfast or, or, and, and, or, or I'll be someplace preaching the word where there's people who don't know the Lord. And so often I will do, I will preach the gospel. You know, it, it, it's hard on me to watch people who you're telling them about Jesus and they're standing there looking at me with their arms folded and going, who cares? That is hard because you understand that if it wasn't for the blood, you're not making it. I mean, sometimes we need to rehearse and go back that if it hadn't have been for Jesus, what Jesus did, we would have split hell wide open. You know, um, sometimes I will, I will, you know, I read a book one time, uh, the guy that was it, 23 minutes in hell. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I don't like reading that book. I really, I really don't, but I do it on purpose because I want to remember what he did for me. When you read about the guy that went down into hell and, 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 and you think about Judas Iscariot, he hasn't slept one second since he hung himself. He hasn't had a drop of water since he hung himself. He has not been where there's not screaming and, and stench and demons since he hung himself. Now, you, you, I mean, sometimes you need to stop and go, whoo, there's a hell and I'm not going. You know, some days that's the only thing you can get excited about. I am not going to hell. All right. But I think sometimes when we, we, we take church for granted, or maybe we're taking, we're singing about the blood, and, and, and we're not, we're thinking about dinner. We're thinking about something else, and yet we're in a worship service where we're worshiping God for what he did for us, and we're not even connected. We're just standing in the audience, just kind of staring around. And so that, that bothers me, and I, and I realize that all of us have had times when, when we have forgotten. But right after I got saved, and I, and I told, you know, Mark this, and he's, you know, now he's a good Baptist. And I told him when he comes to our church, I said, we do things decently in order. So if someone takes off running, we all run the same direction. But I grew up in a Baptist church, and I was like, Mark, I, I didn't get saved. I went forward once, and they gave me a box of tithe envelopes. Nobody ever prayed with me. I don't even know if they knew how. This was the big Baptist church. I don't know if I ever saw an altar call growing up. But, 
But I, but I left there a sinner. But I remember the day that I walked forward and got born again. And I made Jesus Lord of my life. I never heard he loved me. I never heard good news. I didn't ever hear it. Christians I met, most of them were mean. <laughs> and just mean people, you know. So, so that, that I went home that night and I cried myself to sleep. I'm going to heaven. I've not been forgiven. I'm going to heaven. And I did it every night for weeks. I just laid in my bed and just, thank you. And that's what the Bible calls first love. And I think sometimes we need to go back and remember that where you are and what you have today is totally because of the Lord. And so I want to do that today. And I want to I bring us back to remember. So if you would, go to me to Romans chapter 3. And let's go back. And I, and I tease, because in our church, and I don't, I don't know if Mark knows this or not. In this church, this is a Catholic, Baptist, Nazarene, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Lutheran church. Methodist. There's some Methodist in here. But it's amazing how many people and where everybody came from. The charismatic renewal started when people left denominational churches and started gathering together around the gifts of the Spirit. And so, you know, it's amazing because you're pastoring every denomination on the planet. Amen. And I found out you don't know any more about your denominations than I do, so we're all right. Um, Romans chapter 3 and so I tease profusely because uh, every Baptist I ever met quoted this scripture to me. Never got saved, but he quoted it to me. But I want to go back. Romans chapter 3. Let's start with verse 9. Look at this. What then are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks. They're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous no, not one. How many good people are there? There's none. Now, I'm talking outside of Jesus. Now, in the world today, there's a lot of division. You, you, turn on, you don't even have to turn on the news anymore. Just go to Facebook now. Facebook is full of it. Fighting, arguing, screaming, demanding, crying, whining, thumb-sucking, I deserve, they've done me wrong. And it's, uh, it's every, every ethnic, somebody done us wrong, the women, feminist movement, black lives matter, white supremacy. It don't matter. Somebody is mad at somebody and everybody hates it. It's just, it's rampant. But the last time I read my Bible... There ain't no good white people on the planet. There ain't nobody any good. I'm white, I know. I got relatives. They just ain't nobody. And, and I work with blacks. And every one of them are racist. Every one of them are mean, ugly, except when they got saved. And I work with Mexicans. Oh, help me, Jesus. Eat tacos and cuss like a sailor. Let me tell you something. Outside of Jesus... There ain't nobody any good. You might as well go ahead and just chalk it up right now. And, and as far as what you deserve, you deserve to go to hell. That's what you deserve. There ain't nobody righteous. The, you, nobody ever met the standard. So all of us in this room lost the right to be ugly. 
You don't have that right anymore. You lost it when you bowed your knee and got born again. You lost the right to be mean and ugly and talk about what you deserve. Now, you know, I want to preach that from the housetops. I wish Black Lives Matter would let me come preach to them again. I would love to get my hand on some of them guys. My God, if it wasn't for Jesus, you'd split hell wide open. Get over it. Now, I'm not saying that nobody's ever done you wrong. We've all, if you've been in church, somebody in here has done you wrong. If you've been married a week, somebody has done you wrong. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Look at me. We live in a fallen world. Just like everybody just wants to be mad at somebody. Someone's got to come along and start spreading a whole lot of love. Now, I didn't say that we trust people. I didn't say you had to like them. I just said you had to remember where you came from. All right, so I want to do something right now. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. Do we have them on the screen? I'm going to go through four in you realities. Now, I'm not talking about in Jesus realities. I'm talking about in you realities. Because sometimes we need to go back and remember where God brought us from. Is that fair? Because it'll give you a great love for the cross. My favorite song is Amazing Grace. When I first got saved, my pastor was a, was a um, Church of Christ and they had a piano. And he, he was a baritone. Six foot two, white haired, white beard, baritone. I'll, he would get up there and sing Amazing Grace to the tune of Danny Boy. Amazing Grace shall always. I, I loved every minute. I'd, I'd drive 50 miles to hear him sing that song. I'd sit there and just cry. It was grace. It was, the Lord. it was grace. God had mercy on me. Okay. So we're going to talk about who you are without Jesus. Are y'all ready? And the first thing, Galatians chapter 6, if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. So the first in you realities is without Jesus, you are nothing. Well, that make you feel good. I didn't say you're nothing. I said, without Jesus, you're nothing. When he came to this earth, he did not come because we were awesome. He came because he was awesome. Amen. He didn't save you because you were good. He saved you because he was good. When he came to this earth, one of the biggest problems he had was the religious people. Because they all thought they were the hot dogs. And he said, listen... You're just as bad as everybody else. And they hated him and nailed him to a cross for saying it. I'm going to tell you all something right now. Don't get mad at me. Religious people are still the biggest problem on the earth. Do you know why the Muslims do what they do? It's their religion. It is a religious war. That's why, because it's an ideology you cannot fight it with a bomb. When Jesus returns and ships them all into hell, it'll end. 
And the ones that get saved, go with us. That's the reason why he's waiting. He's not waiting because this, this earth is perfect. He's waiting on the harvest. He's waiting on the people that will get born again. Because there's going to come a day when he's going to push the button and go, I waited. I waited and I waited and I waited. And someday we've got to stop this mess and he's going to stop it. Aren't y'all glad? I, I, boy, I'll tell you, I can't. It's amazing that the whole world looked like Disney. Somebody should have said amen. I mean, I should have got a, all the Mickey Mousers in this place. Anyway, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. 1 Corinthians 8, 2. Now, I got to tell you where I stole this. I got this from um, Keith Moore. One day I was listening to him preach on pride, which I needed to listen to. See, if you think you have no pride, you should study it. Number one, if you think you have no pride, that proves that you do need to study it. And after you study it, you're going to feel terrible for about a week. You're going to see so much in you. And then you're going to see it in your spouse. And now you've got to shut up. Because telling them that they're proud is pride. Oh, boy. Maybe we should keep this sermon going. 1 Corinthians 8, 2, it says, If anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing as he ought to know. Now, I'm going to make a statement to y'all, and I know this almost sounds offensive in America because we pride ourselves in our education. But without Jesus, uh, next time you look at a National Geographic and you see a naked guy on a log digging a worm out of a log, I want you to know that's humanity without Jesus. You as a human have no sense. The brain you have was given to you as a gift. The knowledge you have was a gift. You wouldn't have known about Jesus had he not showed it to you. When I got born again, and I, and I hate to tell you about pre-Jesus, I was a hippie, ran around with the outlaw gang. I was dumb as a rock. I didn't have the sense to get in out of the rain. You know how they watch these, you watch these movies on TV where these guys are catching fish with their hands? I did that for a living. It was, it's illegal in Georgia. One guy would watch the game warden and another one would catch fish with their hands. Everybody else got a pole. We're diving under the rocks and pulling fish out. That's how we ate. And after I got born again, I had a thought. Why don't I get a job? You can't imagine someone being that stupid. You got relatives that are not saved, and you're looking at them going, you're dumb as a rock. Some of y'all might be dumb as a rock. You know, no, just. Let me tell you something. Without all of the knowledge I have, and right when I got saved, my desire to learn went off the chart. I started reading everything I could get my hands on, and I just wanted to know everything. I wish I'd gotten saved in high school. I wouldn't have goofed off. All I cared about in high school was girls. That didn't do me any good. Talking about getting yourself in trouble. Now, that's hard to handle. So I'm going to ask you a question. What college did Solomon go to? He didn't. Don't get mad at me. 
College is overrated. School's overrated. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. You give me a man full of God and he was going somewhere. Now, I didn't say don't go to school. I didn't say don't do that. I just said don't make it God. While you're there, you keep your Bible with your textbooks. Okay, that's enough of that. Because I already know I'm, on, I'm treading on ground that it's shaky in America to talk about y'all's education and your PhDs and your ABCs and your XYZs <laughs> on the end of your name. It sounds like a, 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 a Who movie. <laughs> what, what is that? The Grinch Stole Christmas. Doctor, what's his name? Schultz? 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 Something or another. Doctor somebody. I knew y'all know. Now go back to 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Are y'all ready? I've got one more for you. First one's you are nothing. Next one's you don't know nothing. Three, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, for who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast like you didn't? It shock you. Everything you have was given to you by God. Now, let me tell you all something, and this may make you mad. The one older guys that fought in the war against Japan and Germany. The Germans had a uh, jet before we did. The Japanese had a jet before we did. So we'd have to say they're smarter than we are. But here's what they didn't have. They didn't have mama praying. It was the women on their knees back home in the churches that won that war. This is the greatest nation on this earth. I have traveled to 16 different nations. I've been to Russia, India, Africa, the North Pole. I've been to Venezuela, Colombia, um, Philippines, Arizona, all kinds of foreign nations. And there is no place like, like America. It's the greatest nation on the earth. But I'm going to tell you why it's great. Because our forefathers had a revival. There was a man, there was men that went through the, up and down through the coast of America, like Whitworth and Finney, preaching the gospel. And people came to Jesus in hordes. And they took the Bible and wrote our textbooks out of the Bible, wrote our constitution out of the Bible. And we became the greatest nation on the earth because God kissed us. Don't ever forget it. When you pick up a coin, it says, in God we trust. Don't you forget where our greatness came from. And don't you forget that if we ever walk away from it, we will become a third world nation. And we've got politicians right now that are doing everything in their power to take us. If you want a third world nation, go to Cuba and live there. Why is it? That everybody else is wanting to come here and we want to be like them. You don't want to be like them. You want to go to Norway? They don't have cops. There's cameras taking pictures of your plate. You go a mile over, you get a share revenue coupon in the mail. Your own camera everywhere. Socialist. It's communist. Let me tell you something about communists. All the people in the party are rich and everyone else is equal. Dirt poor. If you want it, you keep voting that way. You'll get it. 
This nation still the greatest nation on the earth, but it's going to take righteousness to keep it this way. So without him, you know nothing. That's hard to hear. That's hard. That's hard. Everything you have was given to you. Did you know that when you got saved, he says you're saved by grace through faith? Did you know you didn't even have any faith? Did you know that he gave you the faith? He said, I need faith. You got any? He said, I'll give you mine. And he says, I demand righteousness. And you go, I don't have any. He says, I'll give you mine. You say, well, I need you to have the Holy Ghost. He says, well, I don't have any brains. Well, I'll give you mine. And then we're sitting around here thinking we're a hot dog. Come on, folks. The biggest thing that we deal with is pride. Well, we think, look what I did. Oh, you didn't do nothing. You ain't all that. Now, I'm not saying we don't rejoice in what the Lord has done in us. But we give him all the glory. Now, it's not wrong to to tell someone you did good. There's nothing wrong with that. If you did good at something, then say, I did good at that. I passed that test. I, I learned that. Thank you, Jesus. But I give him all the glory because when he found me, help me, Jesus. Okay, nothing wrong with that. It's not humble to walk around telling everybody you ain't no good. Amen. Wasn't the band good this morning? Aren't they good? Aren't they awesome? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with them going, we're tight, baby, we're tight. Because they work hard. But I expect them to lay their guitars down and get on their knees and worship God. And don't make the guitars and the drums God. Because there's not. I was in a Mile and the Fever concert years and years ago. And y'all don't know who Mile and the Fever is. No, I mean, y'all, it's sad. He was a young hippie dude in the church of God. His, the anointing of God so strong on that boy. And he, and he came out with long hair and bell-bottom jeans and started doing Christian rock music. And, but I remember the day Lisa and I were at a concert watching him and and he took his guitar and he laid it down and he got on his knees and he said, this guitar is not my God. This music is not my God. And he lifted his hands with no instruments and worshiped God and the anointing fell in that building. And I got off and I said, thank you, Jesus. Now, is he a good musician? He's awesome. I just loved it. Amen. Last but not least, John 15, 5. Go over there. Amen. I'm the vine and you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. That's humbling. Now, I said this in an earlier service, and I'm going to say it again. I want you all to hear this. I go, to con- I go to conferences where all the pastors talk about how they grew their church. I want to tell you how you grew your church. God. So I want you to think about this for a minute. I was talking about the band a while ago. Do you think I got Laverne here? I got to tell you something. I'm not that smart. When this lady walked in and started singing, I went, there's a God. Woo, she sounds good. I'm thinking, 
God, I actually like black music, man. Man, that's good. That woman can sing. Doesn't Jimmy play good? Yes, he does. He can play anything you ask him. That man can play a guitar. I didn't. I didn't bring him in here. I don't. I never went looking for nobody. It just uh, God brought him in. Now I know it makes me look good because y'all going. Pastor has an awesome church. Well, I know it's an awesome church, but I'm not this smart. Now, you're going to look at Lisa and go, you didn't do that either. I know. I remember the day that the Lord spoke to me and said, this is your next wife. Get on with your life. I went, really? Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to marry a Holy Ghost pretty woman, you're going to have to go to church. <laughs> you understand? Now, you can get you a bad one, but they're in the bars. But, they, but in, you want one, you want a good one, you're going to find her in church. God will get you a good spouse, but it'll be God. If you find them, <laughs> never mind. Some of y'all know you found one one time and it wasn't too good. You know, I, I did that mess. That's a hard thing to hear. Without me, you can do nothing. You have no idea how many days I have laid on my face. God, don't ask me to go in that church if you don't show up. They don't want to hear me. I have nothing to give them. I'll tell you, I'll be in my room and be praying. And the Lord will give me a sermon and I go, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. And I come out and y'all go, Pastor, yeah, that was good. And I go, yeah, it was. But I remember when I didn't have it, I get all of my sermons in prayer. And the good ones, he did it. The bad ones, it was me. <laughs> I've had some me's. I've, I remember watching y'all. Those were, those were me. Go to Matthew 18 now. I did this because I want you the next time we hear, and we're going to, at the end of the service, we're going to sing a song about the blood. I don't ever want you to count the blood of Jesus as a common thing. If it wasn't for the blood, we wouldn't be here. We'd have no hope. We are going to die knowing that he's taken us to heaven. Because of the blood of Jesus. And if that don't excite you, your wood's wet. It's the blood. It's the blood. I'm going to tell you something right now. You, you can't screw it up so bad that the blood can't fix it. You can't get so far from God that the blood can't bring you back. You cannot get in a mess so bad that the, that the blood won't allow you in the throne room and get a hold of Almighty God and answer your prayer and turn your life around. I mean, the next time somebody is singing about the blood of Jesus, you need to get up out of your chair and go, by God, it's the blood of Jesus. 
that old song, you know, it's nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood. My God, somebody got it right. Amen. All right, let's go. Matthew chapter 18. Now hold on to your seats, fast your seatbelt. It's going to get rough here for a minute. Peter came and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? You understand what he's asking? He's asking this because he's had problems with people. All right, let me ask y'all. Have you ever had problems with people? Man, if it wasn't for people, church would be great. You know, every once in a while, I see one of them islands in the Bahamas that ain't very big, and all it'd be on is me and Lisa, and I'm thinking, that'd be heaven (laughs) to put up with people. But then after a while, she told me, she said, who told you you were coming? (laughs) No, she didn't really. She didn't say that. So you know he's asking the question. And then he goes real deep with Jesus. Seven times? And Jesus says, no, seven times 70. And I know Peter's going, "Uh uh-uh. You didn't say that. See, because these guys grew up with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You slap me, I'll slap you back. So for Peter to say seven times, that's that's a big deal. When Jesus said seven times 70, he meant never. He meant a thousand times a day, Bubba. I'm going to show you why in a minute because you're going to get more excited about it as we go. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. A talent is one year's wages. What is 10,000 times what you make in a year? How much money is that? Is that a lot? That's a lot of money. Now, some people, it may be a little more and some people, but it's, it is a hunk of change. In other words, it was way more than he could pay back. He's talking about the debt we owed God. It was off the chart. It was astronomical. We sinned against a holy God and the payment for it was death. When he found you, you were dead. You weren't bad, you were dead. And there was no hope. Nothing. This is a story of you and God. It gets better. He was not able to pay, so his master commanded he be sold and his children all he had in payment to be made. The servant fell down before him and said, Master, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. We read that word forgiveness and we think that he looked at him and said, oh, don't worry about it, I forgive you. But that's not what happened. You see, when Adam sinned in the garden, God didn't walk up and say, oh, Adam, I forgive you because he couldn't. Adam had done an eternal sin against an eternal God. And he said, the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. The Hebrew word surely is the word die. Dying, you'll die. Dying spiritually, you'll die physically. In other words, you're going to be separated from me and there's nothing I can do about it. Unless there's payment for your sin to be made. So the sin Adam committed was off, was off the chart. In other words, this king did not forgive it. He paid it. 
He went into his own checkbook and wrote a check for this man's debt out of his own money and paid the debt. When you got born again, the Lord Jesus Christ went into his checkbook. He went to the cross and he paid your debt. He took your beating. He took your nails. He took your rejection. He took your hell. He paid the debt in full. And you and I did not deserve any of it. It wasn't because you were good. It's because he was good. That's why I love amazing grace. Now, let's finish this. That servant went out and found a fellow servant, owed him $18. He's talking about people in church. He's talking about the people you rub shoulders with every day. Listen to the rest of this. We got to go. Servant went out and found him. Pay me what you owe me. His fellow servant fell down his feet and begged him and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you. And he would not. And he went and threw him in prison till he would pay his debt. The fellow servants saw what had been done and they were grieved and they came and told the master all that had been done. And his master, after he called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. You begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant? He didn't say that, that he didn't owe the money. He didn't say that what he did was right. The things people are doing to you, it's wrong. But you are no different. God forgave you freely. What he's looking for you is to say, Josh, I don't like what you did. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I forgive you and I won't hold anything against you. There's no, you you have no debt. You don't owe me anything. And I'm going to pray for you. And I love you. Why, Josh? Because Jesus did that for me. And that's how you handle problems. This is not, nobody said it's easy. You, you, you admire Jesus and what he did for you? People admire what you're about to do for other people because you're going to do it. You know, Lisa and I, when we were building the cabin, it took us for $50,000. I'm going to tell you all a little secret. I was looking for the mob. I want to find somebody in the mafia and put some concrete boots on that sorry son of a gun and throw him over in a Wakava River. I mean, I'm seriously, if it wasn't for the grace of God, there would be, I know, three men on this planet that would be dead. Because I'll kill you. That's the old me. And I didn't say it's easy to get my Bible out and to get on my knees and go, God, I'm not going to sue him. I'm going to trust you. And I release him. I said it's necessary. Because I need to be free. Let me tell you where cancer comes from. Cancer comes from bitterness. Lisa and I have buried people who are mad. You can't afford it. Now, I didn't say everybody. Not everybody. Some people deal with all kinds of stuff in their soul, and they may be good people, but you know, you get the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes. Yes. 
There's a lot of sicknesses that come from stress. There's a lot of sicknesses that come from unforgiveness. Back when, when I was going through my first divorce, I won't have a second divorce. Because Lisa's already told me, she says she'll kill me. So, no divorce. I won't divorce you. That's a sin. I'll kill you, though. I'll tell you something, it got tough. I got arthritis. Lisa remembers me getting out of bed in the morning, swinging my legs out because they had, they had gotten so stiff. I, 33 years of age, I couldn't walk. I was crippled. My knees hurt so bad that I'm walking like an old man. And I went to God and I says, God, you promised to heal me. He says, forgive. And I said, the heck with that. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You, I'm trying to talk. Listen, I understand. But I finally got down and said, Heavenly Father, I forgive. I release it. And my body recovered. I'm going to show it to you in a minute, y'all. Everybody say, thank you for the blood. Should you have not had compassion on your fellow servant like I had pity on you? His master was angry, and he delivered him to the torturers until he would pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if you from your heart do not forgive your brother his trespasses. How would you like to know that every sin you've ever committed is back on your account? You want that? You might want to get your finger and put it back in your pocket. It's a good sermon. Go to Isaiah 58. I'm doing a good job. I'm, I, of course, I'm just reading the Bible now. I didn't actually come up with any of this. You have no idea how sweet it is to be forgiven and forgive, to not walk around with ugly all over you. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, I don't think Lisa and I would have made it. It was very difficult to train her. You know, I say that because y'all are going, right. I'm going to tell you something. We both prayed for each other. You get married, you have two completely different people from two different lives in the same room. For a long time. Isaiah 58. Let's, let's start with verse 6. God is talking to the people. And in, 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 in 1 through 5. He's talking to them about their religion. And in verse 6. It says. Is not this the fast I've chosen? That you loose the bonds of wickedness. That you undo the heavy burdens. And you let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. Is it not that you share your bread with the hungry? You bring in the house the poor that are cast out. When you see the naked, you cover him and do not hide yourself from your own flesh. He's talking about the way you treat people. He's talking about letting people go free. The woman that came to Jesus caught in adultery, he said, the one that's that's never sinned cast the first stone. And all of them left except Jesus. Now, he had a right. 
And he says, where are your accusers? She said, there's none but you, Lord. He's got the right. And he said, neither do I. That's good words. Neither do I. You can set people free, especially when they do you wrong. You can look at them and say, you did me wrong. I think I'm going to take you to lunch. I think I'll buy you a gift because you need help. I'm going to show you how to do that in a minute. You all want to know? You can do it. Look at verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. Look at verse, the next one. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of your finger and the speaking of wickedness. If you will lighten up on everybody, God will lighten up on you. You want your prayers answered? You need to lighten up. Put the finger in the pocket and quit running around mad at everybody and what they did to you. Listen, I know people are giving y'all trouble. I read Facebook. It's sad that people take it to Facebook too. You want a piece of me? I'm wondering, who are you talking to? All right. (laughs) If you extend your soul to the hungry... If you satisfy the afflicted soul, your light shall dawn like the darkness and your darkness will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. He will satisfy your soul in drought. He will strengthen your bones and you will be like a watered garden. Go to James chapter 4. Ready for some good news now? All right. These scriptures right here have kept me. This is actually one of the first things the Lord ever taught me as a Christian, what I'm about to read to you. Let's start with James 4, 6. He gives more grace. You thought all the grace you got was at the cross. There's more. God gives grace to the proud. God resists the proud, I'm sorry. And he gives grace to who? The The humble. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, draw near to God. Now he's talking to sinners, he's talking to Christians, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, talking about to Christians who are not living right. Purify your heart, you're double-minded, lament and mourn and weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he'll lift you up. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. How many demons were trying to keep Jesus from coming out of the grave? That's a lot of hell. Could they? They can't stop you either. Now, I'm going to give you a case right here. And this is a a hypothetical case. But let's pretend for a minute that everybody hates you. I mean, everybody hates you. Your dog hates you. Your wife hates you. Your husband hates you. I mean, you are just the dregs of the planet. You're just a sorry, good-for-nothing, low-down dog. He said, if you'll humble yourself in the mighty hand of God, it doesn't matter what everybody does. God will lift you up and set you on high. So see, people aren't the problem. The problem's you. 
I know that sounds, that, why, that's, that's tough to hear. All you and I got to do is take, is quit, quit ignoring Jesus in the blood. You remember the man that came and he says he smote his breast and he said, oh God, have mercy on me. And the Bible says he walked out righteous. And the other guy was going, I'm better than everybody else in this church. I tithe. Look at them folks over there, earrings in their ear and green hair. I'm glad I ain't like that. Well, the next time you see a bum down the street of Apopka, I want you to look and say, except for the grace of God, there go I. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would be in jail or hell right this minute. Don't think I don't wake up in the morning and go, thank you, Jesus. I can get excited all by myself. But I had to learn to love you and let God. That's powerful, guys. There's a God, and if he's on my side, I'll have care in the world. Fighting with people. Is a waste of your time. The only person you're hurting is you. Husbands and wives, listen to me. Stop fighting. Your spouse is not your enemy. That was exciting. (laughs) I've asked the band to do something or Lisa to do it. I want to do something before we go home. I want to sing about the blood again. I want to close the service out with you worshiping God about the blood of Jesus. We started off this service by talking about how people count the blood a common thing. We're not going to do that in this church. Are you all in agreement with this? I want you to focus while you're singing on what he did for you. And the fact that he's still doing for you. Your future is in his hands. If you'll humble yourself under the hand of God, whatever you're going through right now, I don't care what it is. If you, don't worry about everybody else. I'm talking, if you humble yourself, he will lift you up. All you need is the blood of Jesus. Woo! That's awesome, guys. You can get happy in jail. You can get happy in a bad marriage. You can get happy in a bad job if you'll humble yourself. I've never been through anything in my life that God, I didn't humble myself God got me out of it. I've also got to a place I don't even worry about anything anymore. Because I know there's nothing that I can get myself into he can't get me out of. So I don't worry about nothing. And I almost feel guilty walking around happy all the time. <laughs> you look so pretty today. Isn't she pretty? Doesn't that look good on you? Oh my gosh. Isn't God good? Father God, thank you for this morning. Father God, thank you for the Word of God. These people understand with the power of this that you are able to take anything we're in and, and turn it around. It doesn't matter what it is. But Father God, you've asked us to do one thing. Put the rocks down. Put our grievances aside. Put it all aside. Lay it aside. Leave it alone. Forgive and forget. And come back to you. And just remember 
And we got where we are today when we were nothing and nobody and knew nothing just because of the blood of Jesus. You lifted us up. You gave us life. You gave us joy. You gave us peace. You wrote our names in the Lamb's Book of Life and we didn't deserve a bit of it. Today we're coming back to a point of remembering what you did and the fact that if you started it, you're going to finish it and we can get our joy back. Stand with me as we begin to worship God. Because of the blood, I can come boldly. Because of the blood, I can enter in. Because of the blood, I can come boldly. Because of something very simple I want you to just plead the blood and say Heavenly Father thank you thank you for the blood what you did for me and I receive it I ask you to forgive every sin heal every iniquity redeem my life from destruction and let him wash and if you have ought against somebody I want you to do it right now before you go home I want you to pray for them I want you to pray for the people who are doing you wrong come on you can do it Father God we pray You said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We need to learn to pray that. When you, when you, you, you were on a cross when you prayed that. We can do that in church. And Father, we surround those people with faith and love. And we ask you to bless them. 
We ask you to lead them and guide them so they do not destroy their life. And we're going to be bigger than that. We trust you with our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless all of you. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.